The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, and I am joined by uh, Chief Watcher, Zacho. Zach, how are you? How you doing, Hat? Doing okay. Better no, so, than last week. He, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, last week we had audio issues, Hat recorded the podcast, then realized that his entire end of his recording was completely echoing. Had to re-record his uh, what what he said a second time throughout the entire podcast. He re-recorded everything in order to get the podcast ready a day later than usual. So thank uh, thank you, Hat, for being so committed. But yeah, we're, we're we've made sure that this is not going to happen again. If it happens again, I don't know what to do. We've tested three times during this call today. And yeah, it's. I went to listen back to the show. Or rather, your your uh, Prozac went to listen back to the show because he always listens to the uh, the pre edited cut, and it sounded like this. Hello and welcome to episode fifty of the Data Reaper podcast. I'm your host, Ridiculous Hat. So obviously, we can't have that. And yeah, went through and redid the whole thing. There are going to be some times when we do episodes. If that happens, if something like that happens, we'll just scrap the episode. That was spooky, Hat. That was a very spooky. That that was like bizarro hat coming in from the bizarro world wearing his hat upside down it was freaky and yeah probably if you ask the bizarro hat how is he doing then he'll probably answer you i'm not doing all right by the way somebody mentioned uh something interesting uh because you know you always ask me how i'm doing but I, I don't really answer you. That's true. I just add, I, I just say how are you doing, Hat. Um, it's almost assumed that I'm doing okay, and I'm just not. But I'm not answering. So there's a theory that has grown uh, among the vicious syndicate discord that I'm not doing all right. That I'm actually suffering every day. That life is pain. When I assure you that I'm doing all right. I'm I'm glad you clarified. I didn't realize that we were that there was this thriving fan fiction community around around your your state of well being. Yes, I'm actually a nihilist who's doing terribly every day, contemplating the meaning of life, which is why I'm avoiding the question, and I'm just answering it back. Uh, I'm just, you know, throwing back the question to you uh, that, instead that must of be it. talking about it. It also explains why you've been playing Yoink Priest. So I I don't know. Makes sense. Explains everything, actually. It makes total sense. Uh, since life is suffering, I want to make my opponent suffer by playing priest. That is my life goal. Make everyone understand how 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 painful life is. Yeah, Nietzsche would be very proud of you. Okay, let's uh let's continue. Yeah, no more existential discussion. Well, we should talk about how the the next report. We actually aren't sure when the next report's going to be, and the next podcast is going to be shifted. It's probably going to be in two weeks. Uh, there is no, there's not going to be a report next week because of balance changes. They're probably coming up on Thursday. Not probably. They will come up next Thursday. There's no point doing another report for this meta. I think we've, we've all figured out what's happening. 
and even if there are new developments, uh, uh, the reboot that we're getting next week is welcomed. We're probably going to have a report, the last report for Barons um, on the 22nd. And then we'll step away to pre-expansion content. Um, but yeah, that's probably the plan. But we will probably have a podcast uh, discussing the early patch impressions of next week's nerfs or balance changes uh, somewhere around the 19th, possibly Monday. Uh, I can see that happening. So yeah, we have to figure out when we're recording it and all that. We don't have dates yet, but we would like to get some kind of early impression three day meta sort of thing based on whatever it is they nerf, which we don't know yet, but don't worry, listener. We're going to speculate a lot. Got half this episode set aside for speculation. On the second half of this episode, podcast episode we're going to speculate what these balance changes are based on uh, the wording of alex tweet and i think we can get a pretty good guess at what's going to happen and why yes and a lot of it aligns with what we've talked about in the past as well we should just jump right in here because we know for sure priest is going to get two nerfs almost certainly yes two nerfs um but we should talk about where the class is right now. Uh, it's actually declined at high legend. And there's kind of a ceiling of play rate. Because at a certain point, the hardest of hard counters come out. Or at least as hard as people want to counter. Yeah, so there's two reasons I think why Priest's uh, play rate does have a ceiling at top legend. Uh, it's around 20%. Obviously, the higher you climb... At, at Legend, the, high, the more Priest you see, uh, sometimes it feels like, well, a lot of people playing top Legend um, get their, their stats suggest that Priest reaches close to 40% play rate. Um, so it, it can get, yeah, it can get very popular. Um, the thing is, though, it didn't, it doesn't seem to get worse. It seems to like, Maybe the class took it a little s- small step back this week, probably because of the rise of Shaman. Uh, I think uh, players at high levels really embrace Shaman as this deck that is a good answer to Priest and is generally well-rounded uh, compared to something like a Spell Mage. Um, and Priest is getting targeted pretty hard, as hard as it can be targeted. Uh, obviously, the fact that it still has a positive win rate, it's still... Uh, a pretty high up the tier two in terms of performance uh, shows that the deck is is quite powerful at high levels of play. We know how different the deck is um, between top legend and outside of it. There's a big gap in terms of uh, learning curve and how the matchups improve at high levels uh, for the deck. Uh, Control Priest throughout this expansion never been an issue, never even been a good deck outside of top legend. So the fact that they're nerfing it, they're basically addressing uh, the top legend power and maybe the experience element throughout ladder. Uh, but in terms of the deck, nothing really changed about it. Um, the build that I think Zerius and Gabby, who are sitting at number one and number two legend with Priest... Uh, they've consistently utilized a list that cuts hysteria um, over the last uh, week or two. 
you're running Sethic Veil Weavers with Smites. The Smites help the Veil Weaver um, get a bit more consistent. And it's it's a leaner build that's uh, better against things that try to counter priest, not too greedy. Even though the mirror is very popular, uh, once you go into the Cthulhu territory, you can get really punished by something like a shaman. Um, where your draw is far less consistent, you're more likely to draw these patches type of cards that are very weak and game losing in the, these kind of matchups. So, uh, running Cthulhu was probably good for just one week. For that one week where Priest was good at Top Legend and players were not yet targeting it at as effectively as they could. Yeah, that was kind of this, uh, Post-Priest's Rise, but pre-Doomhammer, pre-Encanter Slow return, uh, there was a moment yeah. where the best counter to Priest was a slightly grittier Priest, but we are past that. And uh, the Priest dominance may soon be coming to an end with some external changes. Uh, I will also note, I saw a list of Gabby's recently that included a Murloc Tinyfin. Zach, have you seen how this is performed in the stats? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that Gabby is trolling, but I'm not sure what the joke is. Is it Mer Priest is so good that I can win with Tiny Finn, or he's just trying to get that thing retweeted by uh, sources and joke about it? I don't know, but yeah, don't run Tiny Finn in your Priest deck. I am hoping... <laughs> That we have such a crazy source bias that your numbers on Tiny Finn are like really elevated because the decks that it's in are only played by Gabby's friends. No, oh, that that would affect like source bias would affect the decks win rate, not the performance of Tiny Finn. I guarantee, I assure you that Tiny Finn is never going to look good in metrics. But uh, but yeah, Priest is good. Uh, the hands of the best players. It's looking uh, very competitive, powerful. Uh, outside of that, you probably don't want to play Priest. If you're not in that category of player, the deck does not perform because it's a complicated deck. Um, you know, generation gets criticized a lot, but in terms of piloting these high generation decks, um, it does take a lot of skill. We've seen it in the past as well with things like Cyclone Mage. Uh, you need to be able to manage the variance. You need to be able to manage the generation, make good decisions on what to discover, plan ahead better. Uh, Priest requires you to plan ahead uh, several turns in advance in order to get to a, a desired uh, situation that is favorable to you. Um, so that kind of layered decision-making makes the deck uh, more complicated. It is one of the two most um, scaling Decks in the format in terms of skill. The other one is Lifesteal Demon Hunter. Uh, another one is Miracle Rogue. Just just behind them, I would say. Uh, but yeah. Makes uh, sense. Priest is, uh, yeah. So, and there's been a little bit of Rally Priest also picking up a little bit of the, of the Miracle Priest that people have been tweeting about and talking about, but it doesn't seem like we've seen a really big jump in the numbers. No, we haven't. Um, it is another deck that... Similar to Control Priest, uh, scales quite a bit at higher levels of play, but it's weaker, and because it's weaker, then even when it scales, 
and gets better at top legend, it still doesn't reach a, a win rate that's uh, particularly impressive. Uh, but it is another deck. It's a priest deck, uh, so its generation really take thing takes things to the next level. Yeah. So if that deck ever becomes good, uh, I think the complaints about priest would be that much more loud. But uh, thankfully, that deck is fairly niche and fringe, and it's probably also getting nerfed as well alongside control priest, most likely. And then we've actually seen uh, Shaman stabilize as one of the better options in format at all levels of play, I think, judging by the report. So players at higher levels initially, when Wailing Cavern's launched, were skeptical of Elemental Shaman, of Shaman in general. Uh, you would see that top legend Shaman's play rate wasn't as high as uh, throughout the rest of ladder. But really, over the last week or two, um, Elemental Shaman picked up a lot. The Doomhammer variant is a proven counter to Priest. It's just as effective as Spellmage is against uh, uh, Priest. So it's powerful. It also has a reasonable matchup spread. You're not sacrificing too much uh, in other matchups compared to Spellmage when you're running that deck. And it's a very reliable answer to Priest. And part of the reason why Priest is restrained a little bit and not like tier one in terms of win rate is because of the popularity of Shaman. Uh, nothing changed about Shaman, but it's a strong class right now and just shows you what, you know, a mana worm and a good draw engine can do. Um, so Shaman is at a good spot. Yes, right now. just print and, and a man good. worm and a draw engine in the classes better. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've <laughs> talked about this a couple times, and I understand that it's only a couple cards, uh, but also it seems so simple when you say it that way, but we weren't really sure it was going to be enough because Shaman was so bad before Caverns. It was unplayable. Hearthstone is a game of fine margins. Um Remember when Spellmage was a meme? It was a meme deck throughout the entirety of last year. It was a complete meme. It was tier garbage. It was yeah. nowhere to be found. And then they gave Spellmage refreshing spring water. And look what happened. So a lot of times these fine margins are very difficult to, to spot. It's very difficult to estimate what a single card or two can do to a deck that is struggling so badly. And I don't think you can blame anyone for being unsure whether that would be enough because the deck was so bad before that is this enough? But sometimes, you know, when you have, you add one big power spike to a deck or you just add more consistency to the deck and it just makes everything work. And you just remember that Hearthstone is a game of fine margins. Like the difference between a tier one deck and a tier four deck is what? 6% in the win rate, 7% win rate. That can be easily affected by one or two game-changing cards. So it's hard to really put a marker down on what's guaranteed to make a deck good, a bad deck good, or alternatively, how do you nerf a powerful deck and still keep it playable? It's very difficult. It's not something that's 
easy, that's easily done. Team 5 are not going to get it right every time, uh, too. And this is probably the reason why um, they're trying to make smaller changes to powerful decks initially and trying to tone it down just by bit. Just look at what happened with Paladin, where it was yeah. powerful. They liked the play pattern, so they nerfed it a little bit every time until suddenly that one extra touch that they gave Paladin was too much and the deck fell. Though, I will remind you that in terms of performance right now, Paladin is actually okay. It's not far away from being good, and it's pretty competitive right now. It's just that people are, you know, I've called it in a report, it just is fatigue. They're just fatigued by... <laughs> by Paladin and just not interested in the class. But the class is okay. It's not in a, that bad of a spot. Yeah, but when you have a class that's the best in the format by a large margin, two nerfs to that class in a row, it's kind of hard to be excited about it in the back half of the expansion. True. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly and, it. So, well, and it's Librams too, right? It's, so we're getting excited about something that was printed in Ashes that is still the best yeah. way to play the class. Yep. So that's can that can be an issue where you have an archetype that's been around for a while. Um people are not going to be as excited for it especially when you know it gets nerfed. Uh, but we'll see what happens with Paladin next expansion. It's probably going to get exciting new cards. The one mana weapon is already something that you know can get a lot better on paper if it gets proper support. But I'm mostly with Paladin. I'm really looking for draw. Ways to draw one for two, one for three, something like that. That would help a hand-buffing deck with the weapon, for example. Yeah. It's it's incredible how much we miss Salad's Pride. Yeah. That what card a- was really important. That card wasn't good, but it was so essential, right? Yeah. Uh, like just having a way to get two for one was so important for the deck. Gosh, imagine imagine Salad's priding into Knight of Anointment now. Oh, oh goodness. Yeah, that would have been pretty good. But the thing is, it just like I'm a big advocate for card draw. I've said it a billion times. Um, look at Primal Dungeoneer as an example. Like when you have, when you add more draw to a class, you make it more consistent, but consistent in a good way, not in the Baku way. And then you don't need to push that hard uh, in terms of power spikes. You don't need to make cards overly powerful when the strategy is more consistent overall. So I think it makes for a healthier game style, uh, gameplay. Um, because you're not as reliant on just, you know, one drop into Hand of a Doll in order to get yourself going. So if you nerf Hand of a Doll opening, if you nerf that kind of, in, uh, like, sort of fault, you're nerfing the high variance, high power early game. If you add more draw, then the deck will not need as powerful early game as it needed before. And you can make card draw pretty good without breaking the game. Uh, if you look at a card like Field Contact, people were terrified of that card when they first saw it because it looked like a three-mana gadget, and it kind of is. Uh, and they printed it with a Thorson in the same class. And, you know, before Penflinger got nerfed, it's it was 
extremely powerful, but that was in part due to Penflinger. But now it's it's in a, a reasonably popular and reasonably well-liked 49% win rate deck with Miracle Rogue. And it's not breaking anything, even though you can draw a lot of cards with Heal Contact if you want to. I think, yeah, Miracle Rogue. And it's also, it's a skill testing deck. I think that gets a little bit better at Top Legend, but uh, it's not overly powerful anywhere on ladder. I think that Field Contact is one of the most well-designed cards they've printed over the last year. Um, it's... It fulfills the fantasy of what you want to do as as rogue as a rogue player. You want to be drawing cards. Lots of rogue players still have memories of gadgets and auctioneer. Uh, in general, the class is more fun to play because it's very resource intensive, and you need to play multiple cards a turn. Rogue needs either card draw or card generation. Compared to card generation, having this kind of draw feels a lot better to play, uh, and the card feels powerful but isn't too powerful, which is exactly the the sort of um, design target, design goal that Team 5 will have, right? They want to print cards that feel powerful, that that empower you and make you feel like you're doing really powerful stuff and really cool stuff, and yet they're still balanced. They're still okay. Um, I'm not going to say that Field Content is is not one of the better cards in Miracle Rogue, but it's not offensive in any way. And it's, I think it promotes a, a gameplay um, pattern in a, in a style of game that's reasonably healthy and, and interesting. And many players have praised the design of Miracle Rogue, this expansion, and I'm one, I'm, I'm joining them. I'm one of the, those people. Yep. So I, I think, well, yeah. And you so, look, you go, you have a year apart. You have a, car, a tale of two different cards. You have Field Contact versus Shadow Jeweler Hanar. And the play experience is night and day different. Night and day. You, how frustrating Hanar was, especially when it was five... Five health. Five, five health, sorry, uh, for two mana. It was so difficult to answer. And it was so... The, the, the frustration and difficulty in answering was about the secrets, the random secrets. Like, did, did they get an Oh My Yog? Like, why do I need to play around Oh My Yog when I'm playing against Rogue? Right, it's just um, that card was was. I'm not. I was. I was never a fan of Anar, but Field Contact is like okay. So they're 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 swinging. They set up a play for for Field Contact. They're drawing a bunch of cards, um, but it's not like you can't deal with it. It's not like they played a Field Contact chain and that's it. They've won the game. Um, so that's a there's a big difference here. And the fact that Hanar was also recurring, like if you if you did not remove Hanar on the turn that was played, then you would see another Christmas tree come up and yeah. A good yeah. example. Yeah. It was it was a lot. And we've quoted the developers many times, but Ixar is back from paternity leave. Congratulations, Ixar and Molly, uh Dean and Molly for your new for your new child. Um but he did his AMA and there is a single tweet that I can read in one second here that really explains what's going on. He was asked about the state of card generation in Priest, and the direct answer, I'm going to read this word for word, we toned back a lot of the card generation in the last year or so. I think you'll really see the fruits of all that when the next rotation hits and the new core set hits. There was too much this time around. Straight up, they yeah. know. Yeah, we've seen, We, you know, I've already mentioned it. They probably, they... They know full well that there was too much generation in the previous two years. 
Uh, we've seen it toned, uh, being toned down, but you're only going to feel it in rotation. I think I've said it last week that pretty much you're going to feel that on rotation and not before. Um, though now that they're probably going to nerf uh, some of these cards, uh, then maybe th that will push the current archetype of Priest away. Um, but hopefully the next expansion is going to provide Priest with actual win conditions where it doesn't need to grind you to dust, but actually has a way to finish the game. I'm really hoping for that. Oh, I can't wait to hero power my opponent's face on turn two instead of my own, and it does damage. I'm going to be really excited for that. Um, and so, speaking of nerfs, by the way, we should talk about Druid. Because Druid has yeah. a few decks right now, and also Celestial. Uh, but it's got a few decks. Um, and... Token Druid, I think, is probably the one that Alec is targeting, but we'll talk about his tweet specifically. But Owl Druid, we had to make a page for it. People are still playing yeah. it. Yeah, so first, let's talk about Token Druid. So Token Druid has quietly been performing as the best deck in the format for the last week or two. It's just really good. <laughs> it's yep. just really strong. It has a really good matchup spread. Um, the only real answer to Druid is Priest and maybe Warrior is also a, a, re a good matchup for the Warrior. Uh, there's some other things like Lifesteal, Demon Hunter, but these are like slightly unfa uh, unfavored matchups. Uh, well, Druid, Token Druid dominates a lot of other matchups and it just, it's just powerful. Uh, everything it does feels powerful. It is a resource-focused deck. A lot of people mistake it for a pure aggro deck. Um, it is a deck that wants to accumulate resources in order to set up a, a power spike. Um, sometimes that power spike happens to happen uh, uh, on turn one. That's part of the frustration, and we'll talk about that later. But yeah, Token Druid is good. Guidance is good. Don't keep Guidance in a mulligan. Uh, but it's it's a good reload card, and it helps against Priest too, more so than Soul of the Forest, uh, which is proving to be a bait once again. I mean, honestly, that card has been a bait or proven to be a bait for such a long time, uh, ever since this archetype pretty much emerged. And this... Since, like, the Witchwood. Uh, like, yeah, but, uh, like, if we're talking about Gibberling Token Druid, since it was introduced with Arbor Up's... Uh, um, you know, release on uh, the last minute, the, the Dark, Dark Moon races. Uh, races, uh, Dark Moon races, yeah. So, since that, you know, we've seen towards the end of Dark Moon races that Soul of the Forest was not worth it. And now we're witnessing again that Soul of the Forest is probably not worth it. Uh, Soul of the Forest is only good, uh, at least historically, when you can play it and chain, you can play something that produces a board, and chain it on the same turn consistently so. Usually that requires you to have ramp. If you're not running ramp, Soul of the Forest is probably going to end up being bad. That's at least what the standard experience has been. So that's Token Druid, powerful, going to be nerfed. We'll talk about what's probably getting nerfed in the second half of this uh, podcast, but the second deck I want to talk about is the Jambre Aldred. Um, so the Jambre Aldred is not performing outside of 
Jombre and maybe Orange and another player that I've noticed that they had success with this deck. Nobody else seems to perform well. Uh, well, not enough people are performing well with the deck. Uh, even a top legend, it's looks tier four. Maybe it can eventually get up to tier three uh, once people cut Yogg and uh, draw, draw Malagos more consistently through Talon. That helps the deck. Uh, we've noticed that, so that's a that's a significant improvement on the deck. I can see it nestling in tier three in the current meta if people make that switch, but it's still not not a good deck. It's not worthwhile running. In tournaments, it's a little bit better because you can ban Priest, and lots of people are playing Lifesteal Demon Hunter in tournaments, best of three, Conquest kind of thing. And if, you're, if your lineup is uh, Control Priest, Lifesteal Demon Hunter, Rush Warrior, for example, then John Berdruid is fantastic against that, right? Because you ban Priest, and you're very good against both Demon Hunter and Warrior. Uh, as reasonable matchups once you ban priest the other big counter to jamber druid is token druid um mm. they're faster than you are you don't have aoe you can't deal with a glowfly swarm you die uh, but here's the thing hat they're very likely nerfing both control priests and token druids so jamber druid could become a thing or a real competitive strong thing outside of John Bray hands, right? Outside of the specific hands of John Bray, it could become better. So watch out for that deck. Maybe the balance changes will open up some space for it to do well in the short window we have until the next expansion. That would be fun if uh, if John Bray Druid ended up being one of the defining decks like the last two weeks. Um, looking at tournament stats, it looks like Rogue is a little tricky. But that Shaman matchup and that Warrior matchup are both pretty tempting. Yep. Shaman's good. Your your Shaman matchup's good. Your uh, Demon Hunter matchups are good. And your Warrior matchups are good. And those are popular tournament decks. So, yeah. It's pretty it's pretty decent. And it's also, it's okay against Rogue. It's definitely winnable. It's close. It's a close matchup. I'm not sure what data you're looking at, but I think that matchup is reasonable. Uh, at least it looks that way. Or it's definitely not a counter, uh, per se. Yeah, no, it's not a counter. It's a, li- it's a little tough. You have more sample size than I do. I'm looking at just the off-curve uh, tournament data, which is a pretty small sample size. It's probably at worst a 45, 55, something like that. At worst. Yeah. Yeah, so... Which is so fine. It's, it's manageable. Yeah, that's manageable. The main problems are control priest and token druid. You have to ban priest, um, and you you... You're counting on the fact that Token Druid is not that popular in tournaments because Rush Warrior is very popular in tournaments. Uh, the reason why people don't bring Token Druid as much to Conquest Best of 3 is because Rush Warrior is permanently included and that's a bad matchup for the Token Druid. So on in, in that specific narrow format, um, Token Druid isn't as prevalent as it is on ladder. So that's um, what you can glean from the data. That's what you can understand. So in tournaments, it's better. But after the balance changes, maybe uh, Jamber Druid becomes a, a more thi- um, a more sure thing. So we'll see. We'll see. And speaking of Rush Warrior, by the way, uh, this is the big development this week that Rush Warrior has shifted into defense mode. So... The biggest 
development this week is definitely what's happening with uh, Rush Warrior, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it uh, very very simply and very in a very concise fashion. This has been a thing that was initially discovered a month ago. Like Woodling has been playing Rush Warrior with watch posts since early June. And he's been doing that. He's been tweeting about it. He's been posting it on our Discord for a month. And, you know, people don't listen because he's not a big streamer kind of guy. There's not much traction when he posts something on Twitter. Only a few players well, will pick that up. It's not going to see uh, it's not going to be shown in the data. We're not going to be able to glean um, those results from the data and be able to say, oh, that's good. But now, finally, over the last week, some other players with some Twitter traction uh, piloted the, that variant and posted it, retweeted it, and talked about it some more. So there was a critical sample uh, of players that started to play it more at Top Legend. Usually, that's where discoveries first propagate. And the results are dramatic. Um, Far watch posts and more watch posts are very, very good. I suspect that they've been good in this meta for a while. Because lots of decks currently are initiative-focused decks that want to put things on the board... And if you're playing watch posts against them, that's highly disruptive to their game plan. And additionally, even the resource-focused decks, things like Miracle Rogue, Control Priest, want to play minions in the board, and they cannot consistently deal with a far watch post on turn two. That can just make them, like, make their entire hand cost one more after a few turns, and that's very disruptive. So... Even though the cards are not as survivable, not as sticky as before, they're still highly punishing. Uh, and that fits Rush Warrior's game plan. Uh, a, a popular notion is, why are we playing watch posts that can't attack in Rush Warrior? Right? It's, it's a little bit of a weird synergy. But the fact is that Rush Warrior, what Rush Warrior wants to do in most games is... It has two main power spikes. The first one is conditioning. And watch posts are pretty good with conditioning. Uh, it makes them scale. Uh, usually watch posts are good on turn two, three. Good on curve. Weaker in the late game. Conditioning kind of widens that window. Uh, in, uh, increases that window of opportunity for those towers to be annoying to deal with. Uh, additionally, you want to clear the board... Part of the one of the ways you clear the board is by playing rush minions and running to your opponent's minions. That's how you keep the board clear for a troublemaker to finish the game. Another way to clear the board, the opponent's board, is to prevent them from playing anything, and that's by playing watch post. You play watch post, they get their minions increase, uh, like their cost increases. They get delayed. They want to play minions. Morshan also punishes that. Miracle Rogue wants to play field contact. They have to deal with a Morshan watch post. They really don't want to do that. You're delaying the game. You're delaying the game for Troublemaker. So this is... So the watch posts fit the game plan of the Watch Warrior pretty well. And uh, 
yeah, the results speak for themselves. This variant is very good. It's even just as good against priests. Like, it's not, you're not losing much against priests either. Because the watch posts are pretty good against priests too. So you're not losing anything in other matchups. And you gain so much in any deck with a focus on initiative. You're gaining so much against Druid. If you're playing far watch posts on two against a token Druid and they don't have Lunar Eclipse specifically, they're going to be in trouble. Like that card can solo them by itself. So lots of upside to those cards. Uh, the more I look at it, the more I, I uh, the more data we get of the watch post, the more I'm convinced that this is the way to go with Rush Warrior. And it just shows that a lot of things can be good and just hidden um, within the hands of just a few players or just one player who's piloting a deck and nobody's listening to him or not enough people are listening for that show to, to for that to show in the data and pretty sure that watch posts have been good for like a good month or two and uh yeah nerf cards people react decide they're not good enough don't revisit them later that's what can happen that was a blind spot when it comes to watch posts for the Harson community people wanted them to be bad so they stopped playing them, right? Like they got nerfed. That is also true. Playing them. It was like, People yeah, la- we don't need to play them anymore. It was almost a gentleman's agreement. We're not even going to try. We're not even going to find out if they're good. We're just going to, okay, enough, right? Uh, yeah. W- which is funny, but it shows a lot, yeah. And I haven't gotten a chance to really uh, blow anybody out with Morshawn Watchpost yet, but I played some of this deck last night just to get a feel for it. And let me tell you, when your when your spell mage opponent casts a six mana refreshing spring water, that is a very good feeling. That card's not very good at six. I en- I enjoyed sticking the far watch yeah, on yeah. two. It was very good. Yeah, like mage has answers, but again, the thing is, I think that tricked players is that you know far watch pose is now three health, so it has answers in theory you can holy smite it you can uh, brain freeze it you can you can more easily remove it but they still need to draw the answers like if you're playing far watch post and they answered it on two okay you still had some some upside you traded one for one right you traded your watch post for their removal and you increased one of their cards by one not amazing but it's okay but what if they don't draw the answer? What if Priest does not have Holy Smite in hand? What if Rogue does not have Brain Freeze? What if Mage does not have Devolving Brain Freeze, whatever? Then they're in trouble. They're screwed. The card is really powerful on two. Still very, very powerful in the mulligan. Uh, which shows that, you know, just having the answer in your deck, theoretically does not mean you're going to have it 100% of the time. Even if you have it, let's, let's say, 50% of the time. That's still 50% of the games where a far watch was would have a huge impact on the game. So I think that shows uh, that just because a card was nerfed doesn't mean it's not longer good. And to be honest, I'm quite happy that watch posts are good. Um, because I think that right now, in their current spot and power level, they're good design. I think that they've always been good design. They just were a little bit, uh, they were just over overtuned. But now they are a healthier way to check decks that play too aggressively for the board. 
as well as decks that are too passive. Like the two extremes. If you're too all in on the board, then watch posts can punish you. And then if you're too passive and you just sit and chill, then watch posts can also punish you. So I think what they do is they punish the extremes and the decks that handle watch posts best are those that are more well-rounded and a more balanced between their ability to fight for the board and their ability to power spike later in the game and, and perform well when watch posts are weaker, right? Because the longer the game goes, uh, the worse watch posts are. I'm curious to see how long this trend holds, but I like when we find things at the end of expansions. I really enjoy that. And it doesn't always happen, but Wuling, uh, good work. This is really fun. And it's not the only class that we're trying out watch posts in. Because it looks like our buddy Demon Hunter over here is also going to try him out. Yeah, so Wuling also experimented with far watch posts in demon hunter and that's also something that started to pick up and uh, is working pretty well like far watch posts we know looks like a pretty good card in death battle demon hunter too and um what we don't know is how good morshan watch posts is in death battle demon hunter i assume that willing also tested that and decided it wasn't good enough I think there is a problem with Morshan and Death Rattle Demon Hunter where you have too many threes already. And that can get a little bit awkward. Uh, but we don't know. It's possible that Morshan is also good in that deck. Uh, but we do know that Far Watch Post is good in that deck. If you want to try that variant, that's also possible. What's interesting is that Watch Post carries synergy with Felsteel Executioner. In the vanilla build, in the normal build that we have in the report, Felsteel Executioner is more situational. It depends on whether you're a top legend, you're running into a lot of priests, lifesteal demon hunters, you want Felsteel Executioner. If you're not playing there, it's not as good. But Far Watch Post can buy you time and delay the game a little bit, make it awkward for your opponent, and buy you space to play Felsteel. Um, so if you're playing... Uh, so what you can do is you often corrupt on four, right? You corrupt Felsteel on four, and then you play Felsteel and, and Far Watch Post on five. It's a good filler. It causes the opponent to have to respond to the Watch Post and buys you time as you equipped your uh, Felsteel Executioner. So there's a little bit of synergy there. I can also see uh, Morshan having synergy with Felsteel Executioner. The card is a little bit better in that variant of the, the Watcher variant. So, yeah. So, Watch Post, potentially good in Death Rattle Demon Hunter 2. Rogue? Do, 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 do rogues start playing Watch Post? I'm not sure. We could. We could. But I don't know. We could start doing that everywhere. But I mean, we play Neophyte, is, right? So, what if instead of spells next turn, it was all cards they draw? Except you yeah. can't attack. Neophyte does have synergy with field contact. It does yeah. have that going for it. But I can see Watch Post still being Far Watch Post still being good in Miracle Road. I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being the case. Um Yeah, so like the cards are still good. Uh and safe to say that it was overly underestimated. <laughs> That's a weird uh it, it was phrase, but yeah. It was significantly underestimated after the nerf. 
overly written off after the nerf, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's something there. But unfortunately, we don't have much to talk about in the other classes, and in fact, Zach, you left the bottom five on the report uh, blank because, well, the lists are the same. Yeah, nothing changed in other classes. Like, you could keep saying the same things every week, but at some point, like, you don't want to be too repetitive. So I just decided to leave them blank. If it's blank, it means business as usual. Spell Mage, Miracle Rogue, Face Hunter, all of these decks are in the same position as they were before. Warlock is as bad as ever. Um, uh, we, we've we ran out of memes to say about Warlock, really. No, wait, um, I have so. a new meme. I have a new meme. You've seen the new quest line, right? Yeah. Warlock is so bad that Blizzard doesn't have to kill it anymore. They give the quest to players so they kill it themselves. Mm. Okay, that's a, that's a reasonable one. Maybe a little bit too dark. Yeah. Sounds a little bit too dark, but I, I, I dig it. Um, but yeah, this this is just no developments. This meta is begging for balance changes, which are thankfully happening next week. And let's speculate about what these balance changes are, Hat. All right. Because I think we can we can figure it out based on Alex Warding uh on what they potentially could be. Let's so, start with the easy one, which I think read, is well, let's read the tweet word for word. View balance changes coming next Thursday, three cards in total, looking at generation slash burst healing and priest and hitting on some of the non-games in Druid. The Druid's the easy one, right? Yeah, the Druid is the easy one, based on the fact... So there are a few powerful cards in Druid. You've got, like, Fungal Fortunes, which was already nerfed. You've got Glowfly Swarm, Arbor Up, and Gibberling. Glowfly Swarm and Arbor Up are more of um, power spikes later in the game. Uh, they require setup. They can be answered... The opponent can pressure before they happen. They have counterplay. Gibberling is the card where if Alex says non-games, if somebody says non-games, those are the games where Gibberling is involved. Turn one, Gibberling. I've got everything. I don't need to draw cards or anything. I happen to have the perfect Gibberling hand. The game is over on turn one. That's that's the non-games. And those are... A percentage of games that help make dr- token druid that good, like helps the the token druids win rate because some of the games they just cheat, they just cheese you on one and win the game through that. So if you want to take that out, you nerf gibbling. How do you nerf gibbling? The easiest way to nerf it, you know, a lot of people saying let's change the wording, let's say how the spell bursts work. You could just make it two mana. I think at two mana. It's still a card you can play. It's still a card that the deck probably plays. I mean, the deck guarantees plays it because it will still be good. You just slow those blowouts down. You give the opponent a little bit more time, an extra turn, to be able to deal with it, which I think is fair. So I think gibbling to two mana is a safe guess. Yeah. I'll be surprised if they nerf something like Swarm or Arbor Up. I think Arbor Up is helpful for a, lo- for a lot of potential Druid archetypes. And if you nerf that, you kill a deck like Jomber Druid. I don't want that to see that happen. You kill other decks potentially that would use um, Arbor Up as a finisher. I think Arbor Up is fine at its current power level. Um, it's a it's a finishing buff card. Uh, you, you play around it by pressuring the Druid and denying them board. 
There is counterplay, so I'm fine with that card existing. Same for Glow Fly Swarm. Uh, Gibberling is the one offensive outlier, especially when it comes to the early game. So some people have been talking about Lightning Bloom. I don't think it's likely. I think Gibberling is the answer. But walk me through why you think Lightning Bloom is unlikely. Lightning Bloom is unlikely because it is a card that is utilized by all Druid decks. If you nerf it, you basically nerf the entire class. I don't think they want to nerf Clown Druid. I don't think they want to nerf anything that they potentially are going to support in the next expansion because I don't expect Token Druid to get much support in the next expansion. But when it comes to new archetypes that want uh, that they want to see emerge... Lightning Bloom could be important. If you nerf Lightning Bloom, I'm not sure how do you even nerf it without making it completely useless. Yeah. But if you nerf it, then what ends up happening is you're just... You're hurting Druid instead of hurting the one deck that needs to be addressed. And also, Lightning Bloom is in no way a power outlier. Neither is it a power outlier in Gibberling, in, in Token Druid. It's not a power art land clown druid. It's not a power art land in John Bird druid. It is a fine card in all of these decks. Not offensive at all. It is just a balanced innervate. Yep. That's what it is. And Gibberling kind of circumvents mana requirements anyways. It's not that lightning bloom. You're, when you play Gibberling, you shift from volume of mana to volume of spells. And you can play like innervates and eclipses and whatever. And sure, bloom can play a part in that. But if you're nerfing Bloom, it's to slow down Jibber turn, so let's just nerf the Jibber, because that's really what this is all about. They Blizzard has realized that as long as Druid has access to Bloom and Overgrowth, you have to make the big spells 8 mana is the sweet spot for balance. You can't really make things cost 7. You look at something like Scenarian Ward, if that cost 7, it would be pretty goofy. Um, same, you know, we had this issue with, with Guardian Animals, we had this issue with Mount Cellar, we had it with Overflow, whatever. But 8 is very different from 7, and when you have Bloom and Overgrowth, you just need to account for that. And Gibberling has a different issue, where if Bloom was worse, you would still have games where you just have Gibber on turn one or turn two, and it goes pretty crazy pretty fast, and decks don't have an answer, and then the game is just over. Yeah, it's just non-games. It just I, I lost to BS, to something that I had no control over, and no way to respond to, no way to counter in any way whatsoever. Gibberling is a big offender of that, that is going to be the card that's going to be addressed. I'm very confident. This is the thing that I'm most confident about when it comes to one of the changes. But, yeah, there is a seven-mana spell called Celestial Alignment, and we all know how meta-defining it is in the current format. So it's not true that they're shying away completely from seven-mana spell, follow up to Overgrowth. Uh, we are being oppressed, heavily oppressed, by the tyranny of Celestial uh, Alignment. I did see a tweet. I did see a tweet where yeah. someone was saying that they expected the Druid nerf to be Lady Anaconda to not reduce things to less than one. And the logic was, well, that's a non-game. You don't get to play when they go off. And I don't I I understand, I guess, but not really. No, I don't understand because the deck no. has a win rate under forty percent. Leave yes. it alone. Let Fino play his deck. I'm just saying I saw the tweet. I'm not saying that I agreed with the tweet. That is not what I said. Yeah, yeah, but that's my response. Let let people have fun with their deck, with their really bad deck. Who cares? Um, play patterns are not an issue when the deck is weak and sees a very low play rate. 
deck shouldn't be nerfed just because uh, of what happens when it wins. If it doesn't win enough and it's not played enough, it should be left alone. We also uh, remember that from what one of the things that Alex said in a past interview with us, uh, where they talk about when we talked about uh, play rates and how important play rates are when it comes to determining a decision on whether to nerf a deck or not. Here we have a deck that's not even good. Just leave it alone. If it ends up and if it ever ends up being good or too good or too popular, then we can start talking about nerfs. But when it comes to cards that you know could be in theory uh, problematic if the deck was actually good, then I think it's a waste of time. It's always gibberling. Let's address the deck that's actually powerful right now. <laughs> yep, the best deck in and the format, deck, in fact. Yes. So, yeah. that's probably the first nerf. Priest. No, the, the, yeah, Priest is probably... We can probably... work from the easy one to the hard one, because when they say burst healing, I think that's pretty obviously apotheosis. It's obviously apotheosis in the context of Samuro. That's burst healing. When you say burst healing, you're talking about Reno-Jackson effect. You're not talking about putting apotheosis on a single minion and healing through that. I think when it comes to burst healing, I think the main offender here is Samuro apotheosis. Now, obviously, I don't think that they're nerfing Samuro. The card that they're nerfing is clearly apotheosis. But it did make me wonder what kind of change would they make to apotheosis? Because the way I see it, it can go... Two ways. I think there are two ways to nerf the card. The first way is the simple way, which is nerfing it by one mana. Making it four mana, for example, would slow it down. You would slow down Samuro Apotheosis by a turn. You would slow down Apotheosis' ability to heal through board control, just putting it on a minion. You'd make it worse. You'd make it weaker. That's definitely a way to do it. I wouldn't mind if they did that. I think that's fine. That would be a fine change. The other way to address specifically the burst healing without nerfing the single target healing that you can make just by putting it on a single minion is nerfing not the mana cost, but the attack. Like nerf Apotheos to a 1-3 instead of a 2-3. What that would do is that would significantly weaken the Samura Apotheosis combo. No matter where it's when it's played, you're no longer dealing three damage to the board, which means that there are a lot of things you can play around if you're like, if you're playing a board with three health, then that's kind of a sweet spot where you know, okay, Samura Apotheosis does not blow out my board completely. I think that's relevant in several matchups. I think that a lot of decks that have carry three health minions where that would matter a lot. Because even if you're healing a bunch, if you're not clearing the board, you're still taking damage. The next turn is the priest. You want to clear the board. So that would be a change that I can also see them making. Actually, I predicted that this would be the change just because of the wording. Burst healing. They want to address that. To me, that says apotheosis immoral and not apotheosis by itself. Because if you keep it at three mana, even if you nerf the attack by one, I think that doesn't hurt priests as much when it comes to just using Apotheosis on a minion that's already on the board in order to get a bunch of healing, right? You nerf it a little bit, but not too much. But burst healing, that's a moral. 
that's not just putting it on a mid-sized minion or a score pit or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, when you look at Samura Reno, if you think about if whenever you have the option to only play Samura for one, if you have it in Warrior, if you have it in Priest, and you don't manage to, to buff it any particular way, it's not it's not that great. Like, we're not playing in other classes. Samura really thrives on attack buffs, so I could totally see removing the attack buff or lowering the attack buff in Apotheosis really majorly affecting that interaction in particular. And uh, Apotheosis is still a powerful card, but it's okay for there to be powerful cards, just when it's a consistent board clear that also heals them to full, that's worse. You can't you can't really have that around yeah, forever. Yeah, I think Apotheosis was a powerful card, but I think it was a fine card as long as Samora wasn't in the game. Once Samora was introduced, that became a little bit too... a bit too offensive, a, a little too stupid, and they might look to specifically address that. And if they do that, I can go. I can see them going for the one attack nerf rather than a mana cost increase. Because if you just increase the mana cost, you're still c- keeping that interaction in the game. You're making it a translator, but you're still keeping it. So the way that Alec phrased it in my head suggests that they might want to address this combo in particular. So that's the first. I think it's very safe to say that Apotheosis is getting nerfed. That's the one card that I'm very sure about that's getting addressed in Priest. The, act, yes. the, se- the, the, the second card is a little bit more of a question. I've seen a lot of suggestions and a lot of theories, and it's probably going to be the generation part, right? Because Alec addresses burst healing and then generation. So the second card is probably going to be about generation. And the thing about generation and priest, right? If you say you're going to nerf generation and priest, there are so many options. Yes, and a lot of it has to do with how the generation kind of propagates itself where you generate the card that also generates and you keep changing the generation so my theory is that they're going to try and break that chain a little bit make a nerf that not only impacts the card but also indirectly nerfs that kind of chain generation kind of thing my theory is that the card they're nerfing is renew Uh, and it's probably going to be nerfed to two mana it's possible that they're going to rework it and make it heal for more if they're nerfing it to two mana make it make it heal for four or for five but if you nerf it to two mana you do multiple things it has a chain reaction on multiple interactions the first interaction is one maker you can no longer get it off of one maker if you nerf it to two that's again a generation chain that can be frustrating to play against when they nerf they they play one maker, they generate a renew, the renew is cast, they generate another card, and so on. That's a chain of generation. When I say chain of generation, that's what I mean. So that's one thing. You also nerf Zyrella because the best enabler for Zyrella, which is one of the most powerful cards in the priest deck, if not the most powerful card, is renew. You discount it uh, often with palm reading. It costs zero, and you play Renew into Zyrella, you clear the board. Um, So that is another way to affect it. Obviously, the third way you nerf it is by nerfing the card, because the card by itself, Renew, is one of the most powerful cards in the deck. And it makes sense that if you want to address that deck and lower its power level, you nerf one of the best, best cards. So I think it's Renew. The fourth little reason is that it's the holy spell that's strongest other than apotheosis and i uh, think that specifically when it comes to the next expansion 
and they want Dark Shadow Bishop, to be good. Benedictus. They really want, they want Shadow, shadow to be good. spells to be good. I don't think yeah. that they're nerfing a Shadow spell uh, when they're printing Dark Bishop, uh, um, Benedictus. Look at what they did with Stealer of Souls when they know when they knew that they were they're going to promote some archetype and they want to keep it in the game. They left Stealer of Souls alone in standard. I think that they're going to do the same for Shadow spells for now. Other than you know they nerfed Hysteria already. But I think that Palm Reading and Raise Dead are going to be important cards in that uh, future um, Shadow um, Priest deck. And Raise Dead's going to be important to Warlock too, right? We've seen the Warlock right. quest already. If they, it, There's no way they ban Steeler and Wild and print that Warlock quest line and then nerf Raise Dead. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So here's the thing. Uh... uh there are multiple reasons why I don't think that they're nerfing those two cards. Palm Reading is a card I can see them be nerfing instead of Renew because of the fact that it's a generation chain, right? You gener- you discover a spell, and then maybe you find a spell that generates another spell. That's kind of a generation chain. But if you nerf it by one mana, for example, which is probably the way you would do it, you would nerf Palm Reading. If you had to nerf it, you'd nerf it by one mana i think changing the text make it more specific just a little bit too confusing you don't really break the generation chain yeah you make the card weaker but you're not the the play style doesn't change or um a better way to phrase it priest will still be doing the same kind of thing you still can play palm reading discount your renew to zero mana you have a zyrella and stuff i think that's kind of a thing that is kept in the game if you do that similarly to if you just nerf apotheosis to four mana you make the deck weaker but it plays out the same you don't force it to be different um the other thing obviously it's a shadow spell raise that is a card that people bring up and i just don't understand it's really good it's a really good card like they bring it up because it's so clearly powerful it costs no mana hat Raise Dead is overrated. It's a good card, but it's overrated. It is nowhere near as strong and as impactful as Renew. I know it sounds strange, but it's just a fact. It's just reality. Metric-wise, Renew is one of the best priest cards. Raise Dead is nowhere near that spot. For Raise Dead to be good, you need to play two minions and they need to die. Usually, Raise Dead comes online a bit later in the game, in the mid-game, late-game. It's not as strong in the early game. If you draw Raise Dead early, that can be a dead card. That can punish you. The card is not generically powerful in every matchup and relevant. You want your minions first in order for Raise Dead to be relevant, and it's a very late-game-oriented card. The other thing, it's a Warlock card in an archetype that they're trying to promote with the self-damage. Why would you nerf this card just before the next expansion? And it's also a card that could be important in the Shadow Priest. So that there's two deck archetypes that they're promoting in the next expansion that probably want Ray Dead to be at its best. And they're not going to nerf a card just before then. I'll be very surprised. You know, some people argue, oh, they're promoting these archetypes, so they're going to make sure that they're not too powerful. No, you don't do that. You nerf it if it ends up being too powerful after you print the expansion, you release the expansion. You give it a chance. You don't nerf it before, preemptively, yeah. for no reason. If that reason. was the case, they would have nerfed Hand of a Doll when they made Knight of Anointment, right? Like it's, Yeah, it just it, it makes no sense. If it ends up being too powerful in the future, they're going to address it then. Right now, you want to address Power Level and Priest. Honestly, it, what do you do with Raise Dead? You want to nerf it to one mana? 
Are you sure? Guys, can you hear me? Wandmaker Hello? gets really good. You wanna you wanna make it worse, the generation chain? To have Wanamaker generate raise dead? No. What you do is you nerf the best, the better card in the deck that performs better, that enables more of the things that Priest excels at in most matchups, Zyrella, Wanmaker. You nerf the generation chain, you nerf the healing. You don't nerf raise dead. Makes no sense to me. I can see a world where they nerf palm reading. I don't like that world as much as I like the world where Renew is nerfed, but I can see that. Raise dead, I see no chance. So I think it's going to be two mana renew maybe they increase the healing to compensate for it i think it's, it's fine or something they, do that. they could i can, but they don't have I think to they, they can they can even push it to five like make it a flash heal on a stick with a discover for two mana would make it a good card but i think that it's a big difference where it's two mana instead of one well and if they're um, nerfing apotheosis then they can give they can yeah. afford to give priest a little bit more healing if they're taken away so yeah. much yeah i can see them doing that I would actually kind of like it if they did that, if they just make it a strong heal card. Also, it makes it weaker in the early game. When you nerf it to two, even if it heals for five, often it's going to overheal for five, right? If you're not going to utilize it as best as you can in the early game. If you make it good in the late game, that's better than making it as powerful in the early game. Uh, also, it nerfs Zyrella, makes it not as early, but maybe potent in the late game. So I'm fine with that. Uh, if they decide to just delete it by making it two mana heal three, I think that hurts the card a lot. And there's a chance that it's just not going to see play at that at, at that kind of if they make that kind of change. But yeah, so I, I can see either way. But probably renew is the card that you want to nerf if you want to address peer priest from a power level perspective. From a perspective of a top legend priest gets a lot better. It, it, it still performs pretty well, even though the entire field is trying to counter it. I want to address the power level priest at that level of play. I want to nerf for new. I don't want to nerf raise dead. And I don't want to make raise dead cost one mana. I mean, guys, please. Please. Yeah. it's That's a limiting factor, but also, I mean, the point about Shadow and Warlock is well taken. And remember when Renew was printed, Renew was the replacement for Power Word Shield. Because Power Word Shield was way too good. And so they reworked it, and then it didn't work, so they just got rid of it and reworked all the priests. It turns out a card that was meant to replace a card that was too good is also too good. One mana, do something and get a card back. Too powerful. And Discover is, is no longer worse than Draw, and in many cases is better, especially with the Constricted Pool now. And they had to, they did the Discover nerf. Also, when Renew was Renew Jackson, and you would renew into Renew into Renew into Renew, and so they made it so you couldn't do that anymore. You couldn't discover the same card off itself. But even then, it's still just so strong, and it's been around since Ashes. And we've got two more sets with it. It's okay if the card takes a backseat for right now, and if it was two mana heal five, then it would still be in decks. But just decks get more clunky. And that's okay. Yeah, it just gets... It, I think it just gets slower. I think the, the card just gets slower. And when you make the card slower, you're making Priest less consistent and answering a lot of decks that snowball the early game, that try to snowball the early game. Um, you make it overheal, less effective. I think I could keep it as a potent heal. But I wouldn't begrudge them if they just make it two mana and not change, increase the healing. But you know we've we've seen from history, recent history, that they like to reward cards sometimes. 
Sometimes it doesn't work out for them, but I like the approach of let's try to rework the card rather than delete it. So I wouldn't mind it if they increase the heal. Uh, but it's probably going to be the renew. I really don't think it's going to be raised dead. And I think it's less likely that it's palm reading. But yeah. if there is any other candidates, uh, I, I don't really see it. I don't really see them nerfing other cards. No, I don't see it being something like Sethic. I think that's really unlikely. Uh, people have mentioned Venomous Scorpion, but that's not a priest card. So they were really clear on hitting priest. And Scorpion is a valuable neutral tool that makes other decks more uh, other decks better scorpion is fine it's gonna least it's definitely gonna see less play uh after the next expansion yeah i think it's, we're just we're just playing it until we have more cards yeah basically yep so yeah i am i'm pretty compelled by the renew argument and the other one would be like you could move palm rating to forward and it would still be fine i think but they won't uh with the shadow thing coming in and renew like the palm reading into renew Zyrella chain as you mentioned earlier is just so strong and taking that away would be really nice yeah i'd rather uh, break the gameplay that's frustrating the gameplay element than frustrating than just increase it by one i think increasing by one is fine makes it weaker but i, I want to break that chain so if i want to yeah. break that chain i make i nerf renew not palm reading so uh that's my speculated changes we'll see what it ends up in reality uh sometimes you know i can be on the money and sometimes not so we'll see what i'm uh, what they end up uh, uh nerfing for real but i'm really looking forward to seeing nerfs though i will say don't raise your expectations that the meta after the balance change is going to be that perfect because if you don't like the baron's meta right now you're unlikely to like the Baron's meta after the patch simply because I don't think that you're going to see wildly different decks than what you see right now. It's probably going to be the same decks. So if you don't enjoy Rush Warrior, Death Rattle, Demon Hunter, Miracle Rogue, and such. And Shaman. Especially yeah, Shaman. And, sh- and uh, Elemental Shaman. then you're probably not going to have that much more fun after the patch because... I don't expect new decks. Nothing. There's nothing that Control Priest is keeping down to the point where it's not played, where if you just nook Priest, then suddenly it sees play. I don't think that there's such a deck that just waiting on the wings. The only one I can see is, honestly, John Bray Druid, but yeah. By the way, we were very close to just calling this deck John Bray Druid. Uh, the argument against it was we didn't want to, like... Calling decks by a player's name is a little bit awkward. And also, there's a pretty good chance there's going to be another Jomber Druid like two years from now. And that's going to be confusing. Like, if we start calling every Jomber deck Jombre, then it could get a little bit out of hand. Because the guy he, he is, is going to make more, more decks. He's yeah. an archetype creator and always has been. And we've had... You know, Jombre Egg Paladin, Jombre Bloodlust Token Shaman, Jombre Druid. Jombre Shaman. Been, there was, there's yeah. been a lot of, there are multiple iterations of Jombre Shamans throughout history, I think. Um, Jombre yes. Paladins. A lot of Jombre Paladins, too. So it's too generic of a name. It's almost like calling, it's almost like Control Priest. Jombre something is like Control. There are, uh, I'm going to, up, Hat, I am going to update podcast episode number 45 there are initiative focused decks there are resource focused decks and then there are jambre focused decks yes 
Though right? I will point out my favorite deck name ever, I think, was uh, there was someone, Jared Pullet, uh, was talking about this on Twitter. There uh, there were two different Shaman decks. There was one that was a Doomhammer base and one that was, I think, a, uh, something else. I think it was a spell base. There was Jombre Druid, and then Harash was working on a Doomhammer, or uh, uh, it was Jombre Shaman, and then Harash was working on a Doomhammer Shaman. So we combined them and made Harambe Shaman. Harambe Shaman. Harash yeah, and makes... Jombre. Harambe. Mm, mm. Makes sense. Okay. It was very, cool. it was It was a great name. Um, And also, speaking of decks that might be held down by Token Druid and Control Priest, Zach, Face Hunter. Uh, yeah. I mean... We're... We're gonna see a little again, bit more like, face hunting towards the end of the meta. It's still fine now. I mean, it's is it fine? Hat? It's really strong. It's it's still really yeah. strong. But as I said, if you if you like the decks in the current meta, but you just suffer because of priest, then things are gonna get better. If you don't like the Baron's meta in general, regardless of priest, you just don't enjoy the decks that are in, currently in the field. Don't expect the nerfs to make things that much better for you. That's what I would say. Temper our expectations. Luckily, though, the expansion is not going to be... It's not far away. And, uh, yeah. For now, I'm playing Civilization Six. Yep. These are <laughs> setup nerfs, uh, for sure. And yeah. while you're playing Civilization Six, by the way, I'm playing a game called Slipways that you should totally try. It's like Civilization without the combat, and it's in space. It's pretty rad. Uh, big fan. We're making commercials here. We're not even getting paid by these companies. I mean, what are we doing? Well, Slipways is made by literally one person. Oh, it's made by one person? I should check this, that out, actually. You should. One person I tried makes to recommend it to you. Yeah, yeah, it's I so noticed it, but I was like so deep into Civ 6. I was like, no, I'm not interested in any game right now. By the way, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarity between Civilization 6 uh, and Hearthstone in terms of how to improve the game. You're... Like how to improve as a player. There's a lot to it. Actually, you got there might be a Professor Zach. We're gonna find if there's time to do a another podcast, uh, a teaching podcast episode. We're gonna do it. I already have plans in place, so we'll see. But it Ooh. might take a while, right? Because there's expansion hype. We're gonna talk about uh, the the bound changes, the post patch uh, meta. We're not gonna if we have another uh, time for another podcast episode it might be something about that but keep it in mind could be a month from yep. now two months from now whatever we were but. we were all set to do a, a a and a bonus episode on something uh general next week and then alec had to go and tweet and change the meta and now our plans got thrown in the air yeah it probably would have happened next week if not for the balance changes so i don't know we'll see <laughs> yes so if you want to hear zach talk about civilization six and now you're not going to be able to uh Please don't tweet it, Alec. He did the right thing by changing stuff. But that is uh, the the timing of this is why we're not going to go into depth on a uh, on a civilization episode. But I'll point out for a week where not much happened, we're an hour and fifteen minutes in. It's pretty good, pretty good level of content here as we wind down. We can always we can turn any subject and and talk about it for sixty minutes without it being boring. Honestly, that's true. Right? That's a fair statement. Um. But that's going to do it for this week. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Extra special thanks, of course, as always, to our VS Gold and Patreon members. Thank you all for subbing and supporting. And thank you all for being cryptic in the Vicious Syndicate Discord because all the Gold members find out what's going on on Tuesday. And then they just post eyes emojis all Wednesday night until the report is posted on Thursday. It's very entertaining to watch. 
Um, so big thanks to Building Hype. Uh, and so remember, reminder, next week there's not going to be a report, but we will do a podcast. It'll be slightly off schedule because we want to wait a few days for the data to come in on standard after the nerf hits on Thursday. So we're going to aim for beginning of the week, but we'll see. And uh, yeah. And, and Steven Sensei. Well, we'll get new cards on the 20th with the reveal schedule. We know that we start getting new cards on the 20th, which means the week after there's going to be a lot of content coming out in a very short period of time. Say so it, we'll hat. have our theory crafting article, you know, all that stuff. Hat, say it. Say what? You know what? What everyone wants to hear. Big thanks to Steven Sensei for intro ah. and outro. There it is. That's the that's our sign off. And uh, that'll do it for this week. So thank you so much, everyone. And we'll talk to you soon. The Data Reaper podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.